Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Monday, September 2nd. The Clemson Tigers are coming off a dominating performance last Thursday night in a 52-14 thrashing of Georgia Tech, and life is good. Ben and Cody here with you today to recap that game on Thursday night and what kicked off the, the season for the 2019 Clemson Tigers. We'll also talk a little bit about all the excitement um, in the world of college football this past week, including the failures of the SEC. But Cody, the last time we checked in with you, uh, you had just gotten engaged, and now you're living out in the burbs, man. How's it going? It's great, man. Uh, there's a Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, Dave and Buster's, all my favorite chains. And I'm not, I'm not saying this uh, facetiously. This is, I love living in the burbs. I, I get to go like, five minutes. I'm at a mall. I'm at my favorite, like Applebee's, and that to me, that's. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite things to do in the burbs is uh, go hang out in the ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese and creep out kids. You might want to edit that one out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Cody, let's get into it. Um, First football game of the season, the Clemson Tigers come out uh, looking pretty dominant. Obviously, there's some uh, areas that need to be improved on, and Georgia Tech is kind of a ghost of their former selves, changing over the coaching staff and the offense coming into this season but overall what were your impressions from the first game it was uh man that was a, it felt surreal because for one the thursday uh, opener was was just kind of weird i mean we've had thursday games before and like mid-season that seemed to, to draw in a lot of hype the fact that it was an opener felt a little strange i think the the crowd was pretty amped up and i think the, the fans have been waiting to, to get back into football season um but ultimately the, the team came out looking rusty defense uh you, you could see the youth but uh all together given you don't know anything about georgia tech because of the new coach the new offensive scheme the same personnel as before i think they did a pretty good job i, I was i was really happy and also we were in probably like you know third gear tops just you know hold, you know withholding things yeah, well, to, to come out first game of the year, everybody's going to have a little rust. I think you saw that over the weekend with some pretty, pretty bad football uh, across the college football landscape. Um, but the Tigers come out, they, they cover the spread by one, get a 38-point victory against a Power 5 um, conference team. So really not a lot to complain about there. Yes, there was some rust. Uh, Trevor Lawrence wasn't on top of his game um, at times. Uh, the defense, the youth is obvious, and I think there's a lot of correctable mistakes coming out of this game. But overall, to get a victory like that and, and really and never have it be in doubt, it felt a lot like last year. Um, the team, the defense, for the warts that did get exposed, uh, did hold Georgia Tech to only 14 points, so that's a positive. And listen, if this is the, if this is the offense shaking off for us putting up 52 points, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, in some in some way, like we at fifty two to fourteen felt kind of ugly. It felt kind of uh, lethargic, but that's that's where we're at right now. And you know, granted, like you said, Georgia Tech 
not a shell of their former selves, but like think about 10 years ago, you know, we were playing Georgia Tech in the, uh, in the ACC championship game and Spiller's having to, you know, score four touchdowns to try to beat them. Here we are you know, 10 years later and yeah, we're, we're I'm not, not complaining, but we're, we're noticing uh, an ever so small drop off, drop off on the defense and, you know, young guys making small mistakes. Well, listen, we saw the same thing a couple of years ago um, in the 2016 season where the offense sputtered a little bit out of the gate and it really took them about half a season to, to get going. It was after the pit game where they really pulled it all together and just started blowing teams out of the water. But, you know, this is the, the MO of, of this, this program on both the offense and defensive side of the ball is, listen, they're going to go in and substitute early and often. No matter if they got new guys in there or not, they're going to play a lot of players. Um, and can you imagine if they left the first team in there for three quarters, what the score would be? Um, so that's, in my opinion, really kind of how you, how you have to gauge it. The other part is Tony Elliott. It's his, it's his style at this point. He's just, he's a sandbagger. He, he sees no reason to put things on tape and with Texas A&M coming up next week. And I don't blame him. So that's just his style. I mean, there were, and we'll talk about the def, uh, the defense that we faced and how the offense performed against it. They had two high safeties, and it was just kind of one of those, we'll just, okay, you're going to give us this. We'll just dink and dunk up the field, but we're not going to put anything. We're not going to put any four wide receiver sets on film, which I don't think they did. Maybe they, maybe they did at some point, but I didn't see any. Uh, we're not going to do hardly anything downfield. And, yeah, it's, it's just – I used to get frustrated with Tony Elliott when Deshaun Watson was, saying his, like, sophomore, junior year when we wouldn't open things up. But that's just – Sally does, and it'll, it'll look like this. Come next week, I think he's going to show some things uh, prior to the Syracuse game. But after that, it's probably just coasting the rest of the way. Yeah, you know, I think um, that way that Tony Elliott approaches it really manifested itself, and you're not really seeing a lot out of Joseph, Joseph Nagata in this game. I think he had one catch on a couple uh, – um, kick returns that's about it but yeah why put anything on film for Texas A&M or Syracuse in what's going to be the toughest stretch on our schedule this season and it's front loaded um, so listen we've seen this be his MO and he wins this program wins this team wins so let's let's go along for the ride um, and that's not to say there aren't some areas that need some improvement, but I think when you look at Trevor Lawrence and maybe a couple of the wide receivers, you saw some drops in this game. Are you really worried about them not improving over the course of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a little rust. I, I think things will be fine. And there's going to be, there's going to be, I mean, there's going to be some cobwebs to shake off and Trevor Lawrence, he, he's, he's met half of his interception total from last year. I, I mean, I don't see that being a trend either. I, I think I think he needed a game. Uh, and by the way, you know what he did with his legs just shows that he's he's heady. He knows what's going on in real time. Just made a couple bad throws. Not yeah. not worried at all going forward. Yeah, and the defense overall gave up. You know, I, I think that's the side of the the. I, I think that's the part of this team where you really have to focus on and maybe worry just a little bit because they need to grow up really quickly and learn from these mistakes for these next two games, especially with Kellamon coming in. Uh, to Death Valley next week. So, um, overall, though, uh, the defense had two big force down stops. Goal line defense looked really good, and, and this was going up against a team who's got some really good running backs. Um, they're built for option football, and they actually played what seemed like option football throughout most of this game. Um, discipline was an issue. Uh, uh, 
you know, playing your assignments. Some people got loose around the edge a couple of times. There were some holes up the middle. Um, and that will need to be corrected. I think, um, I, I think we still have to pin things on here early in the season as our offense carrying us through these big games and maybe just having to outscore people um, more than anything else until the defense starts surrounding shapes and gets their uh, legs under them. Agreed. And, and here's the, here's the positive. And this is what we'll, we'll go over what we saw on offense and defense here shortly. The offense has the most just, I mean, it's not even close. The, the most skill and talent I've ever seen um, from a Clemson team. And maybe last year was comparable. Watson's senior year is comparable, but it's not just that there's one set of goods. It's like you bring out Nagata, Nagata and Latson, who, you know, they've, they've you talked, they've talked a lot. Coaches have talked about how they're, they're as prepared as Ross or as good as Ross was or better um, from the previous year. It's the most, it's the largest collection of talent I've ever seen. And then the defense, not what it was last year, but guys are, that are all Americans out on the field that are really fun to watch. So there's a lot, a lot to be excited about. Yeah, the defense doesn't lack for, for, for talent. It's really just experience. And then obviously, you know, all the experience we have coming back on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think another thing we're talking about a, the game as a whole, one thing that stood out to me, you know, watching Dabo's halftime interview, I was, I'm just so impressed by the way he, he sat there. Um, he talked about the game. He, he, sat in that interview much longer than a Nick Saban or any other coach, which, and I think that's just another X factor is his personality. Um, and I don't think these things should go unnoticed because that helps sells the brand of, of Clemson football and all the kids names, all the young kids names that, that he was just rolling off his, uh, his tongue and giving them props for how well they played in the first half, all these young guys, that's got to really sell itself to, to recruits. Yeah, I think well at this point, I, I feel like Dabo's big picture. He th- he's he's only thinking about the, the big picture, and and the more championships he wins, the bigger the picture gets. And and I don't mean by winning football games because obviously, I mean that's important as well. But big picture is seeing kids develop, seeing kids develop into men. And he's already starting to see those men as NFL players and and just grown men doing great things in the community. That's what he's thinking about. So yeah, he's he's not living in these. He's living the moment in the sense that he's enjoying things and he's, he's, he's noticing things like freshmen getting their first chance, celebrating it, celebrating the wins. And uh, yeah, I think, I think he, his mind, the way he, he uh, perceives things helps set the Clemson apart from other coaches. You know what? He still may not be the best X's and O guys, but uh, all these little pieces is what's uh, quickly making him possibly the best coach in the country. Um, a couple more titles and I think he'll be there. One more, he may be there. Um, so before we uh, get into breaking down the offense and defense on this game, we want to welcome everybody back to listening to another year here at the Clemson Podcast. We appreciate everybody. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on social media at Clemson Podcast on Twitter and Facebook, ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. And please take some time to leave us some I- an iTunes review um, if you have a moment. And be sure to subscribe to us on whichever podcasting app you prefer uh, to ensure that our shows get pushed to you as soon as they come out. Okay, Cody, let's start with the offense here. I think the big storyline here, obviously, is Travis Etienne ran for a career-high 205 yards and three touchdowns, including a one from 90 yards out. Uh, That tied a record for the longest run in Clemson football history, which kind of surprises me. I'm surprised Spiller didn't rip off a 99-yarder at some point in his career. Um, And also that Etienne hasn't hit one over 90 yet. But uh, 
uh, had a additional touchdown runs of 14 yards and 48 yards. Man, he he looked like a beast in this game, and I think I know who my front runner for Heisman is. We we discussed this a little bit over the summer, and we made the case for Etienne with uh, with the way Lawrence will spread the field with the re- receivers that you have to you have to understand will will hurt you if you don't guard them, and and also wide receiver blocking and, and the development of the O line. It's like the perfect formula for for Etienne to have a Heisman candidacy and a legitimate one, despite the fact that he's playing alongside Lawrence. So it's not just that he's he's unbelievable. His game is. I think it's so well-rounded at this point with obviously speed is, is his MO, but he's so strong running through the, running through the gaps. Uh, the arm tackles just won't take him down. He's running past people. Uh, quite a, yeah, quite a Clemson running back. And I, I definitely think he's going to be right up there. It, it'll be hard. I mean, you, you can put Lawrence on the shelf for a game or two. You don't want to air things out kind of like you saw against Georgia Tech, but it's going to be hard to, put to tell Etienne to you know take it down a notch because he's a running back so the 100 yard rushing games could be the could be the the rule not the exception it could be the average this year um he could well average um easily average over 100 yards a game this year based off of what we saw and as long as he stays healthy um yeah he's really become a tough runner more than anything else now entering his third season with the tigers um, he used to just kind of run past tackles or around tackles, and now he's running through them. You mentioned the arm tackles. And so his burst in speed and now with the power is really rounding him into form and, and to becoming a complete back, not to mention uh, working on his receiving out of the backfield. That's, that's the one dimension. And, I mean, if he doesn't become great at that, it does, it'll still be the best running back in the country. But, yeah, if he can put that together, that'll just be another – Another arrow in the in the quiver, so to speak. And in terms of uh, just what you get from him, I mean, you have to think like we have good backups, and Lynn J. Dixon is really good. Uh, the, the 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 young guys they impressed, but when you don't have Etienne in there, it's like what could be a ten yard run is like a five yard run because he's just that much more added value, and that's how talented he is. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's just the combination of things: his quick bursts, how fast he. Um, he gets through the line and into the second level of the defense, and then again fighting through all this, um, those arm tackles. It's just a completely different animal. Now, I did love what I saw out of Dixon in this game. Um, he's put on some good weight, it looks like. Um, he had a nice 22-yard catch at, and run out of the backfield. Had a nice uh, – uh, picked up a, a block uh, in pass blocking on Jalen Lay's first, first catch. So that was good to see from him. Um, and his vision has really improved. I think the issue with both him and Etienne and, – uh, when they first came to Clemson in their freshman years, they were just kind of get ball, run to the end zone, whichever way you can. And now they're both really kind of uh, hitting their holes in their gaps and where they're supposed to be. Lynn J. Dixon, the first thing I thought of was he, he might have the best vision ever, or he's just always in the game at a time when there's a lot of running lanes because, and then maybe that's because the defense is gassed, but he, he always seems like he's able to find the holes. And again, maybe that is a byproduct of playing late in games, but I, I think he's... He's a little bit slower than Etienne. Everyone is, but he can really see things unfold before they unfold. And uh, he's really, really a bright spot going forward. Um, and I think you see why Tavian Feaster may have wanted to transfer. I think it's safe to say that he is, even with Feaster on the roster, he'd have been the number two running back this year. Dixon would have been. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I think the talent, the, the talent differential is obvious. And I even you saw that from watching Feaster in the South Carolina game. He just does not have that burst and quickness that these two guys do. 
Um, but hey, you got to give props to the offensive line on this one too because they opened up some big holes run blocking in this game. There was a bit of a drop-off when the backups were in, but overall, this offensive line is going to be dominant. Heck of an offensive line. Yeah, it was such a clean game. And you know, you could say what you want to say about Georgia Tech and their, their personnel, but uh, you, you'll get a better sense of things in the next two weeks. And I, I think we're going to have some success against top-tier competition, whether that's Texas A&M, uh, Syracuse, or if, or if you're talking playoff. I think that it's a championship-level offensive line. And – Jordan McFadden, watching him late in the game, like I think you have some tackle depth all of a sudden because I, I really enjoyed watching him. He's super quick. He has great leverage, really athletic. I think you have your right tackle of the future and, uh, and again, some tackle depth. So, no, offensive line, just kudos to them. Um, question about Etienne, though. Let me go back. Is he your front runner for Heisman now? After what I saw, he is. Okay, fair enough. We could talk about that when we uh, talk about other, other teams because I have some thoughts there. Well, I just think, well, if I'm comparing him to, let's say, Trevor Lawrence, um, really that's a big competition for him and being on the same team. But I think throughout the course of the year, just given how athletic um, he is, and it's a very special type of of talent that you don't see come along often, I think that's going to carry him. And after we get through these next two games, he's going to be racking up the rushing yards in these kind of mediocre games that we end up playing because we're not going to be showing as much. You want to keep Trevor... Lawrence upright and on his feet. So I think I, I think you're going to see a lot of 100-plus yard games from ETN this year. And he already, what, didn't he lead the country in rushing touchdowns last year? And he's going to have even more this year from the looks of things. I think so. And, and minimal carries. He doesn't have the same amount of t- carries. He's like a, a Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin or uh, some of these other teams that really, you know, they have the, just their one running back. And uh, he's, he's doing it really efficiently. The yards per carry, I mean, I think it's like 17 right now. That, that's not sustainable, obviously. But it, it, was, it was really high last year. I don't know offhand. It was like eight yards through the yeah. first six games of the season. So, he's, man, he's doing it. And, I don't, again, I don't think he has to play all four quarters to, to be right up there with the, the contenders. Yeah, absolutely not. He's going to have the touchdown numbers. He's going to have the overall yardage numbers, and he's going to have the um, uh, the big average right there. So I think that's all you really you need to know. And I don't think running backs take a hit anymore for not playing as much. Many teams cycle in multiple running backs throughout the course of a game. It's become the standard in the NFL, and you're starting to see that a lot more in college football. So I don't really think um, I don't really think that becomes an issue. And he has the wow factor, uh, which I really think puts him um, over the top. Um, so speaking of that long uh, run, that 90-yard TD run, I want to go back here to talking about tackle. Jackson Carmen had a monster block on that thing. I think he took out like two guys with that one. Um, held his position really well, then released downfield with perfect timing. Um, Got to be encouraged what you saw out of him. Absolutely. He, I think he had a couple of penalties early on, and that was, you know. Well, everybody did. Uh, you, uh, Ankrum did, and Simpson did, so. Right. And, you know, that's nerves again, a little bit of rust. And it's for Carmen, it's his first time ever playing as a starter. So right. he's got to eliminate that. But again, like you were mentioning, it's coaching moments against A&M. He's got to absolutely has to eliminate that. But ultimately, like skill set wise, he's a big body that can move him and Simpson in tandem together on the left side could be just a huge asset all season long. Uh, and, but, and then, you know, not to take anything away against the right side where you have Servinka who's a, who's great in run blocking in his own right. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, I, I think that's going to be, they're going to be more of a run first type offensive line, but with Carmen and, and veteran Ankrum at the tackle positions, they're going to keep Lawrence healthy too. 
Yeah, well, and then Re Trevor, you never know when he just might take off running. You hit on his uh, running ability earlier in the show here. Um, man, he had a tough first down run throughout this game. Uh, between that and his ability to throw on the run, it's it's phenomenal. And I think a lot more people will start taking notice of his wheels this year because once he gets going, and you saw him run down that um, defensive back on his interception, kid's got some speed. Yeah, and if you look at the, the box score, you're not going to be like, wow, Lawrence is really off to a bad start, and he's looking like what he looked like midseason last year, but does not tell the whole story because what happened last year and a lot of the situations where he could have potentially ran for, for extra yardage, I think things were moving a little bit too fast, and ultimately I think that led to his injury against Syracuse. In this one, I think he was able to really sense out things, and it was pretty clear early on. They're, they're going to go, obviously, two single or uh, two high safeties, and then everything is to prevent Etienne uh, on, the, on those option plays. So Lawrence saw the open field and made it happen. He does have legs. And I, it doesn't have to be an integral part of the offense, Lawrence running the, in the same way Deshaun Watson ran. But it does have to be a little ancillary piece, I think, in order for this, this offense to reach its, its upper limit. Um, and, and you were mentioning you have to outscore some of those elite teams. I think that's part of it. It will be Lawrence running five to seven times a game for those first downs and extending plays, extending drives. Um, it, he's fast enough, and he, he's put on a little bit of muscle as well. Yeah, he's, what, 6'6", 220 or something like that. He's a big dude. He's a hard guy to take down, and maybe what he lacks uh, in quickness, he makes up in that long stride of his. Yeah, he's no Deshaun Watson. He's not going to be a Houdini uh, back there. Um, trying to escape pressure in the backfield, but uh, he may not need to with how well this offensive line looked. And that just adds another element to his game, to, to a guy who is already the best quarterback in college football. Um, so, man, if I'm opposing teams, to have to worry about his legs too, that's going to be tough. Yeah, and, and not to mention, you already have Etienne you have to worry about. You have right. Ross and Higgins and all these guys that are, that are great blockers, Overton, Pick your poison. I mean, it really is. I know that becomes such a cliche, but it is. It's pick your poison. Georgia Tech picked, take, take, the, take the passing game away, at least the deep threats, and try to take Eaton away as best you can. And they still lost. <laughs> but I, mean, I think that even when against higher level competition, I, where Clemson's forced to execute at a higher level, I think that's, that's what you'll see. That's how, how they'll play it. Yeah, so uh, speaking of the quarterback still here, Chase Price, man, he looked great throwing the ball. He had some fantastic touch on several passes. Um, I think he had that one, uh, that one to Frank Latson uh, for a touchdown in the end zone. Um, he had one that Cornell Powell missed that could have been a touchdown, and a couple others. you got to be really impressed out of what you saw from him. I think he's taking a big step forward. This is no longer Trevor Lawrence goes down to Syracuse. You, you think you're screwed, like – we should have every bit of confidence that Chase Bryce can lead this team. Yeah, the difference last year was that he he went in. Yeah, he'd make some some nice plays, but he also made about two or three, you know, kind of boneheaded. Just things were moving too fast. Bad decisions on downfield passes. He, everything looked very smooth. He looked under control. You mentioned those the accuracy on the on the downfield passes against Georgia Tech. Like, yeah, it looks like a different guy. And then all that it really to me, that's just a guy that's getting older. Things are slowing down for him, and he understands the system, and he's getting better. I mean, he, he could start for almost other, every other school in the ACC, probably. He would be starting, except think, maybe Blackman at, at Florida State. Hmm. Not, yeah. I, I think he would probably start, start ahead of him. Sort of plant Blackman, yeah. 
he can probably take a hit better than Blackman can. And Florida State's yeah. offensive line is terrible. Um, Tyson Pumachan got in, looked good running the ball. They didn't, they didn't p- let him pull the trigger there late in the game. Um, but yeah, it's just another tale of Clemson just unloading the bench in these games. And it's really cool to see all these young guys. Um, what about the wide receivers? Anything stand out? Um, for you, uh, T Higgins looked really good. Justin Ross really didn't get a ton of action. Um, mentioned Frank Latson's catch and also that Nagata really wasn't built into part of the game plan, but you know, it's, we know what to expect out of these guys. Um, they spread the ball around really well outside of T Higgins, four receptions and Justin Ross three, everybody else only had one. Yeah, so what's, what stood out to me is, for one, I mentioned I think Higgins could look like the best receiver in the country, and it'll be hard. There's so much, so, so many pieces, and the ball will have to be spread around. And, you know, Ross was the, the one that was lacking the receptions. And this one, and that may, it might be the inverse of that or the, the reverse of that come A&M. But to me, Higgins is a, a little bit forgotten after the national championship game, but he's the best receiver on this team until someone proves otherwise. And – you mentioned Ross. He was just a couple of plays away from making it, you know, a nice 70 yard, 70 yard game. You know, he missed that catch on the sideline. Yeah, still, nice, nice one hand catch here or there. And, um, still listen, doing freakish things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be able to cover both of them. You're going to have to pick your poison there. And then God help you with over 10 in the slot. Right. They have a lot. Of, to me, it's a very versatile group. And we, we already knew it, but we got to see it for the first time since the spring game, say. And, I think it's it's different in that it's not just uh, you know you get you get ninety percent of T Higgins and say uh, in Lats and or ninety percent of Ross and and Gata. To me, it's like they all have a little bit different skill sets that you have to game plan for. So that's a for a defensive coordinator. He's just he's gonna have to roll through hours of film just looking at well how they how are they gonna use Ngata because he's a yards after catch kind of guy. Same for Ross Higgins, a little bit different of a skill set. So they have a lot of weapons. And then Amari Rogers returns. So all of a sudden, it's you already have Etienne and, and T-Law to think about. Man, that's, it's, it really is. It's a dynamic, maybe one of the best ever offenses, at least on paper. A lot to prove on the field, obviously. Yeah, Mari Rogers could be back for the Texas A&M game. Right. So, I mean, he's got a completely different skill set than really anyone else on the roster. You know, he's, he's definitely more the two-slash-slot receiver, so he's a little bit different. Uh, you know, he's the running back on the outside. <laughs> Um, I think the worst thing I saw out of the, uh, the wide receivers on the day was uh, Brandon Spector wearing number 13 and dropping that ball in the end zone, that great pass from, uh, from Bryce. Another great pass from Bryce. Poor guy. If, if you, but if you choose that number, I mean, you're going to – I mean, he's got a great future ahead of him, and he'll make some – he'll be a good player. But if you, wear, if you pick that number and you go out and you have a, a pass that hits your hands and you're first, on a, that's a touchdown reception – you drop it and you're wearing 13, it's, it's not a good look. No, no, no. It doesn't sit well in the, in the eyes of the fan base. Um, but we'll give him a pass on this one. He is a freshman this year, and we're hearing a lot of good things about him. So just keep lining these receivers up. Uh, we'll be fine. I want to talk a little bit about the tight ends here. Jalen Lay had that one catch. Um, Chalk actually had a, a catch in this game. I did see him early on. He did miss a block early on in the game. Um, I was looking at their blocking more, th- more so than anything else. Luke Price was in the game at tight end a lot earlier than I expected, right at the start of the second quarter. It seems like they, the offense, the OCs have resigned to just allowing the tight end to serve as a, as a fullback slash 
blocking centric uh, tight end and, and like the heck with the receiving skill set or even the threat of, of the receiving threat. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is and it's fine. I think, I think it'll be sufficient. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out against A&M and Syracuse, but I, I don't think they need the, uh, the Jordan Leggett this year. No, and you've got Jalen Lay out there, so let's see how he progresses over the course of the season. I did notice some good blocking by Davis Allen. It was nice to see him out there considering he missed all of um, August camp. Right, and and I think ultimately, though, I think Chalk will be – I think he can be Garrett Williams. Maybe maybe he has a little bit more receiving polish than, than even Williams. So ultimately, I, I, I don't – I'm not as, like, dire uh, – I, I, things will be okay at tight end to me. They were last year. Right. And we had, I mean, we had Braden Galloway uh, last year, but he didn't really factor in. Uh, to, I mean, he looked good right. when he was out there, but he was, you know, he was playing a lot uh, against the other team's backups. So uh, next year at the tight end position, we're going to be just fine. This year, just need you to block. Um, so I think the obviously concerning thing about this offense was the, how the two-minute offense stumbled there after getting two opportunities at the end of the first half. Um, Ross almost saved one of those with a diving catch out of bounds. Um, that was ultimately ruled out of bounds. Then again, with 30 seconds left in the half, you end up with the interception for Trevor Lawrence. I don't really worry about that interception. It, what that ended the, ended the half. So no big, big deal there, but, um, that's where you see the rust. Exactly. And you know, he, he was, I don't, I, I don't think they were ever in the aggressor mode and that you might look at the box score and see 52 points. And you're like, are you sure about that? But I think when you, when you tell, you tell Trevor Lawrence, Hey, we're, we're going to kind of be conservative. I don't know if they told him that explicitly, but it was pretty much, you know, ingrained into the, the play calling. We're going to be conservative. We're going to throw a screen pass. We're going to rob Spence it. Uh, we're going to give it to Etienne. Uh, we're going to do some zone blocking. Like here's, and, you know, you're going to be more of a game manager that has a big play, big arm capability. But I think it, it probably took him out of that mindset. Like compare that to, to Alabama. Like, Hey, you're, we're going to need you for some big passes from, from the second drive on. And to me, it's just a different psychology. And what you saw from Lawrence was just a little bit of a different, uh, different game for that reason. Would you have believed me if I told you heading into the game that Georgia Tech was going to end up with uh, a higher yards per pass average than Clemson? Yes. You would have believed me? No, no. Actually, yeah. I mean, Harris, right? Tobias? No, that's an NBA player. Tobias Oliver. Tobias Oliver. He. I mean, I've seen... You know, low-level South Carolina high school f- quarterbacks with with better throw, better throwing prowess than than he. So it, it was not, yeah, I, yeah. They attempted as many passes as Clemson completed. So, um, although eighteen passes on the day, that's got to be triple what they averaged last year. Yeah. So baby steps, right? Baby steps for this offense, uh, the Georgia Tech offense. That is right. Um. So that wraps it up for the offensive side of the ball for the Tigers. Overall, um, still put up over 600 yards of total offense, 411 of those rushing. That's got to be good to see. Um, and I think moving forward, if Tony, Tony Elliott can lean on the run, we know the passing game is going to be there, and it'll be there if, if it's needed throughout the season. But, uh, again, I think it's uh, paving the way for, uh, for Heisman free TN. 
I think so. I think so. I think it's just going to be too hard with the low level competition for Trevor Lawrence to be putting up Baker Mayfield slash Kyler Murray numbers. Um, but it will be a little bit easier for, for ETN. With that said, if, if they wanted to do a, a Trevor Lawrence Heisman campaign, they could, and we could have been up 40 to nothing, 42 to nothing at, at halftime. If we would have wanted. Well, Trevor Lawrence can wait till next year. And then Clemson, sure. Clemson can have two back-to-back Heisman's. How about that? How, how about that? How, how about that to really rub it in the face of South Carolina? The only thing they have over us right now is that one Heisman winner. If we get two back-to-back, oh man, you might as well bury that football program. They just lost a resurgent North Carolina. So you know, at this point, I don't even want to kick them when they're down. Well, if you do, watch out. You might hurt your foot like Jake Bentley. <laughs> So on the defensive side of the ball, Georgia Tech was still running a version of option football, it seemed like. Um, there are some obvious weak points in this game. Um, I think the obvious things are was getting gashed up the middle on some of those runs or some missed tackles and the defensive ends had trouble setting the edge. Of course, those are all your young guys. The secondary played fine. Uh, there was a couple of busts, one in particular by Kevon Wallace on Georgia Tech's second touchdown. But those are your veteran guys, so you feel good about those. But they, aren't, they weren't really tested in this game either. I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not worried about the secondary. I don't think you learned anything about the secondary in this game. You'll learn a lot next week. Uh, but that includes Kayvon Wallace's end of, end of the game play. I mean, I, I just I, a guy that hasn't really get, gotten in the action because everything's happening at or behind the line of scrimmage all game, and then you know, he gives up a, a play at the end. Yeah, for for this one, it was it was it was about watching the young guys, watching what a what a normal, what just a really good, I should say, defensive line looks like instead of a historically good one. And yeah, there were some yeah defensive ends were having a, a tough time setting the edge. Guys, you know, over pursuing. I saw some linebackers like kind of losing leverage, you know, getting too far in their gaps. But ultimately, man, like to me, it's an exciting defense because everything's not ending at the line of scrimmage. Because you so you get to see some linebackers making some plays. You can actually see the ball go somewhere. Last year, it was just a bunch of defensive linemen piling on top. Um, how about Isaiah Simmons, man? First-round draft pick ridden all over him. Yeah, you kept saying first-round draft pick during the game, and I, and I thought, I still, I still want to see it. I want to see him do it for a longer stretch because he looked really good at the end of the year. If he can continue this over the next few games, like, man, he, you're right. It is first round, and I think I still think he has – a lot further he could go. Uh, he's he's on. He's such a specimen. The way he covers ground and his his wingspan to to make tackles. Uh, he is, and it, quite frankly, there couldn't be a better year to have a freak like that because we're still breaking in that defensive line. So there's going to be a lot for him to clean up. And yeah, absolutely a first rounder or like at least consideration at this point. Let's see if he can sustain it for the next few games. Yeah, I mean, it's just great that when you're returning so many guys on the defense to have somebody like that that you can depend on. uh, My anticipation coming into the season is that you're going to see him and A.J. Terrell get most of the snaps um, on on this defense this year, and the numbers are shaking out that way so far. Um, Coming back to the, the run game here, though, looking at the stats now, Georgia Tech actually had more rushing yards against us this year than they did last year with that triple option attack. So... Clemson uh, held opposing chief, uh, def- or offenses to under 100 yards a game last year on average, so about 50% more so far in the first game. That, 
that has to be concerning you a little bit, especially coming up with Texas A&M. Kellen Mond can do things with his legs. Um, so I think this is clearly let's start focusing on that is the biggest area of weakness. And let's start with the defensive tackles. Tyler Davis is a force. He was moving people all, all night long. So that was certainly a, a positive from this game. Um, on an early third quarter sack, he blew up two guys. He looks, he looks really good. It's such a bright future. And he, he already looks like he's playing really just sound gap assignment. You'll see him shoot his gap and he was, he was able to look like a veteran out there and, and like, like, a, like the coaches have said, probably our best defensive tackle. But that doesn't say a lot for some of the other guys. I think you really want to see some improvement from Jordan Williams. Niles Pinkney was okay. Ultimately, I've always said I think Pinkney's he, – if he's your first backup, then that's, that's a good situation. But if you're relying on him to be a, a game changer, you know, you're, you're, you, you need someone else to, to step in. But uh, ultimately, Tyler Davis looked really good in XT. Xavier Thomas, I think, I think we saw two players that are all American, just great players on the field yesterday. And, and one of them was Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons. The other was Xavier Thomas. Yeah. Xavier Thomas did sack Oliver twice on one play. That was pretty fun to see. Um, he did have trouble setting the edge. Sometimes he didn't say discipline. He ran past some tackles. But you can see he's got it in him, just the freak athletic ability. But it's these mental errors and the discipline that really need to get worked out because it doesn't matter how talented he is or these other defensive linemen. Um, if you make mistakes at, like that, you know, we play some good teams. It can come back to, come back to hurt you. I'll, I'll say this from looking at that defensive line this year as compared to last. Um, looks like a lot more room up front without all those big bodies. It was much more crowded last year. Yeah, the, the size factor. I mean, you're losing Dex and Christian Wilkins, who moves like a, a, a all American defensive end because he was an all American defensive end. Yeah, you you lost some size and some and some speed, but uh, but ultimately, I mean, I, Xavier Thomas. Look, he he does have some things to work on, but he is when he came into the game, he didn't start. When he came in the game, he he was changing things. He completely disrupted the whole that whole side of the line. He was making the quarterback work with a little bit more pace um, because he was coming. And that first step is like Vic Beasley. He is really fast. So to me, I don't care if they start him or not, but he's, he's, the, he's a game changer. And he, do, he does have the potential to be the best defensive line in the Dabo era. I don't know if he'll reach that potential, but, man, he's good. Even when he does over-pursue, he's got the lateral quickness to, to reduce that margin or to lower that margin for error. Um, he, he's unbelievably athletic. So He looks think, a lot like Vic Beasley. He does. I think, I think he's more, he's definitely more polished as a sophomore than Beasley True, was. Absolutely. Yeah, Beasley was a good bit raw. So I think he has a chance to be more developed, uh, better round, uh, more well-rounded. And one of his things, they did come at him a little bit with running. So like getting off blocks and making sure that he is setting the edge, has to work on it. But man, he's, he's going to be, he's going to have a great season. So Justin Foster got the, the start ahead of him. Um, he played okay. He got beat in coverage once that I noticed. And then Logan Rudolph uh, starting on the opposite side of defensive end. Uh, you saw some three-man fronts early on with Logan Ru Rudolph split out in coverage. You know, I didn't think coming into this game that we were going to see um, as many of those formations uh, like we saw last year with Clee and Bryant uh, splitting out in coverage. But um, it seems to be ingrained as, as part of Brent Vittable's defense here. And um, if he's got the pieces, he's going to play him that way. I, I suppose. And I think if, if you do have XT planets at a high level and he can, can be a pass rusher, along with Tyler Davis, 
you might be on to something there. And we'll see how he plays it against a and That'll be interesting. They're more, well, I guess they are more traditional, like shock or um, pro style with, with Jimbo, but they do, uh, they do implement some or integrate some spread concepts. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that uh, as uh, Venables uses Rudolph Foster as a linebacker. So uh, the two other guys here before we wrap up the defensive line, I thought KJ Henry looked good. Um, saw his name out there a lot. Um, and Xavier Kelly, I know he's still got some stuff to work on and it's, it's still a work in progress as he transitions from, from end. But I, I did what I saw. I did like what I saw out of his stature and his physique, uh, just kind of getting into shape, becoming more of a prototypical defensive tackle. Right. Him and Masco, like they, yeah. they have, they have, they look like Kevin Dodd and, you know, like Shaq Lawson. They, they were really, like you said, large in stature. And, and uh, when I saw KJ Henry move into the, the line of, or uh, the sideline, he was moving really fast. But I think the, the only difference is strength and just the speed of the game. They look a little bit like they're playing slow. It's not that they're, they're slow. They're just, they're still learning. So, but ultimately, like if those are your if those are your th- fourth and fifth guys, that's that's a pretty solid situation. You can bring them along this year, um, and they'll probably look a lot better mid year than they look right now. Oh, I think certainly. I mean, you got Henry, his second year in the program. Xavier Kelly now his third year in the program. Um, so these aren't freshmen who are going to kind of hit a wall in the, in the middle of the season, and they got tons of talent. So you just want to see that continued development, and we often see throughout every season. Um, a handful of guys really take that next step up. Isaiah Simmons did that last year during the season. Um, and uh, with so many more young guys on the team this year, and specifically on the defense, um, I, I think you're going to be able to pick out a few of these guys that are probably really going to turn the corner. I think so. I hope one of those guys is Jordan Williams. And and you need him this year. Um, but I think, yeah, you, you mentioned it, like, Bring these guys along. Let the linebackers that are a veteran-centric group with Skalski and, and Isaiah Simmons and, uh, and Chad Smith, let them clean up some of the mess as these guys come along. Um, it, it's a good situation. And I know we haven't talked about the secondary, but they were invisible last uh, or on, on Thursday night, and that's about the best you could ask for from that group. Uh, they did have to come up and make some hits uh, in the run game, so I, I do want to kind of move to the linebackers here. Chad Smith had some big hits in this game. Uh, he had that one that resulted in the fumble that was uh, recovered by Xavier Kelly. Skalski seemed to miss some tackles in this game. Um, I, I don't think it was his best showing. I think these guys are probably more talented overall, but losing the experience that we lost last year um, again, very similar to the defensive line. I think that showed in this game. It's it's been a while before you uh, since you've seen um, tackling issues, poor tackling by a Clemson defense. Yeah, yeah, I did see Skowski miss a few, but in his defense, he also got to a few uh, ball carriers that other linebackers, pre- you know, previous to him wouldn't have been able to. So he does have a little bit more speed than uh, than his predecessors. And you know, we already talked about Isaiah Simmons covering ground. Chad Smith, he's you know, he's never going to be a, a speedster, but he is instinctive. I, I feel good about him. And then you saw Jake Venables and Balin. Balin Spector. Balin yeah. Spector. Um, so, and, you know, he looked good as well. So I think they have answers there. And it's just, yeah, I think there is some rust. And it's still probably like Skalski really being a starter, really being the go-to guy in his first year. I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's going to have a great season. Yeah, and even with Specter and Venables, you know, I saw Specter with a couple uh, nice tackles on the day, but those two guys, 
really could stand another another off season to put on some more some more muscle and some more weight. I do worry with these linebackers this year of the of the pile falling flo- uh, forward as opposed to last year with a guy like Trey Lamar up the middle. Um, that pile fell backwards a lot. Um, so seeing a few extra yards here and there, I do worry a little bit about that because they seem a bit undersized to me, but maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. I don't think so. I think the whole defense is a little bit smaller um, up the middle. And it, it's just – there's going to be some games too where if we're if we were to play at Georgia – we're gonna have some. We're gonna have. It's gonna be tough. We're gonna have to dedicate more guys in the box, and there'll be there'll be some six yards, some 10, 12 yards, and I, the one bright spot about that is where you're gonna see less things getting blown up at the line of scrimmage, like like last season. You're gonna see guys in the secondary, I think, being more instinctive and being able to come up and make the play, so that the ten yard run doesn't turn into a forty yard run. Yeah, especially a guy like Tanner Muse, who's as usual all over the place. Um, yeah, I just. You know, Georgia Tech's running back, Jordan Mesa, did average five and a half yards of carry yesterday. So that's nothing that's it's not something we want to see continue, um, especially as we start to play better competition. Um, you mentioned the secondary for the most part was invisible in that game. I thought Nolan Turner played really well though. Yeah, maybe I should make the clarification. I think the, the cornerbacks Corners, were, yeah. were invisible. But yeah, like you know, Tanner Muse and Nolan uh, Turner, as well as Denzel Johnson, I think they all made some some really nice plays. All of them, you know, we we're looking at them against AM last year. And just a little bit lost, a little bit slow. Um, you could see that they just didn't, they didn't feel comfortable yet. They're, they're playing a lot faster and a lot more confident this season. And we've got tape on A&M this year, um, a full season of that, with Kellen Mond as the quarterback, with this, a lot of the same wide receivers. So you got to be hopeful that that had a little bit to do with it last year, just not knowing what you were going to expect from Jimbo Fisher and the, and the Aggies offense. For sure, yeah. They and Jimbo's a, he is an offensive mastermind. I, I think they'll be ready this year, though. Uh, Venables does have the film, and I think the guys they're they're playing a little bit more confident. By the way, uh, I don't I don't know if it was Alex Kraft or, or someone else in the STS community. A lot of the a lot of the issues that we were having last year were actually middle linebackers not falling back into coverage. So a lot of the you know quote unquote busts against A and M actually were on Trey Lamar because that was definitely not a, a bright spot for him. Uh, his mobility. Well, see, you hope Chad Smith, who does have a little bit more uh, mobility, is able to keep up in coverage a little bit better this year. Well, so well, I think that's actually I think that's why they put Skowski at the at the Mike's linebacker spot because he's a little bit faster, and if he has to drop back, he's a little bit more fleet of foot uh, in coverage. So I think that was I think that's the reason because normally you would see him at the will, like you know, like right. a where right. Well, it remains to be seen. Let's see what happens this coming week against Texas A&M. I think we feel confident about our secondary, and hopefully they can uh, make up for some of the weaknesses along the, the first two levels of the defense. But I imagine Texas A&M is going to score more than 14 points. I think so. And Kellamon had a great first game, and they, they're – really talking speaking highly of him i think look they're just going to score they're going to put up points on us and other teams will as well yeah i was going to mention oh but hey they play texas state but then i'm like oh yeah but we played georgia tech so (laughs) (laughs) right you know tomato tomato special teams cody's favorite part of the show Will Spires, man, I uh, eat crow on that one. Uh, kid had a great game. That first punt resulted in a turnover. He really hung it up there. Had a couple 
knockdown with inside the 20, that one that landed uh, on the nine. I thought they missed a roughing the kicker call on that one. Seems like he got knocked down. But, man, good to see him really turn it up. And uh, given the issues we may face on defense this year and containing the run, having a guy back there who can flip the field, that's huge. Yeah, I, I think he, he showed some progress last year. And he looked more competent this year. Has he gotten taller? He looks like he's six six now. Is that pinion out there? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's been doing some of those exercises where you tie some weights to your legs and just try to stretch out. Yeah. Maybe he maybe he needed a longer leg. Maybe that was the issue last year. I don't know. Um, also in the kicking game, BT Potter, fifty one yard field goal. That was a sight for sore eyes. When's the last time we had somebody with confidence we could run out there? from 50 plus and you know he he had that with with some left over with change and it was pretty true it was a nice kick yeah it, he he was talking what actually scared me was during the offseason or around fall camp he said he, he you know he's got his confidence like maybe thought maybe think he might not have confidence so that's not always great a great sign but he looked pretty uh pretty sure of himself in that kick yeah he did there the extra points for the most part uh Look good. There was one that kind of snuck inside uh, the right, um, uh, the right side of the goalpost. But overall, those look good. His kickoffs. I think they only returned one, maybe two in this game. Um, but otherwise, he was booting them through the end zone. So again, again, between having teams being able to start at the twenty-five yard line, and if Will Spires is able to flip the field, I think special teams, specifically the kicking game, um, can have a lot and may have a lot more of an impact. Um, on our games this year than they have in years previous. In the return game, um, Nagata got out there returning some kickoffs, looked okay. Um, Darren Kendrick got a mouthful from Dabo after fair catching that punt at the end of the first half. Uh, but we have some exciting playmakers back there, and it's been a really long time. I think it was, what, 2011 since Sammy Watkins had a um, kickoff return for a touchdown. And then it's been a pretty good while since we had a punt return for a touchdown, if I recall. So I would love to see some more exciting moments out of the return game this year. I think, I mean, if you had to like make a bet right now, I think there's a better, it's better than 50 50 that someone returns a punt or a kickoff or a touchdown. I, I have to think. I don't know that. I'm sure there's not Vegas odds on that, but I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, my money's on Will Sweeney. Yep, he's a dark horse, but uh, he's good. He's a good one. Yeah, no. When he's out there, that means fair catch, just like Hunter Renfro last year. He is. You know what? He's confident, and he's undersized, but, man, he, he's sure of himself. I got to give him a lot of credit, even, from his, even just from uh, holding the ball. He's always – he doesn't make mistakes. Good on him. Coach in waiting. Yep, for sure. That's his future. I don't think 5'8 gets you there in the NFL. Um, it, does, it does for some people. Yeah. Well, five eight, like four eight, forty speed. I think. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think. Yeah. It makes me wonder why I couldn't make more of myself at five ten. Yeah. I mean, Hunter. Rem if you see what Hunter Renfro does in the NFL, and then you're like, why? Why couldn't I do it? At least you know, on the high school level, it makes you really feel bad about yourself. It was work ethic. Yeah. I poured all my my energy into to academics. At least that's what I say. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I did make it into Clemson. <clears throat> spent six and a half years there <laughs> <laughs> undergrad you know clarify on that all right well that wraps it up for this game again a, a, a good to see clemson blow out in the opening game of the year 52 to 14 over georgia tech yes 
Um, there are some things we need to pay attention to. Um, last year, I think if you saw the defense struggle a little bit, you were going to be like, oh, it's okay. Second and third team was there in a lot. But um, there are some some things to button up on this defense this year, and there are some uh, opportunities for opposing offenses to thrash us. So look ahead to these uh, these next two games. Those are the big ones. Um, obviously, Texas A&M coming in highly ranked, but Syracuse, not necessarily that it's a more talented team than Texas A&M because I don't think they are, but you lose that game and we're in real trouble um, as, as far as winning the Atlantic division is concerned. Agreed. And I don't, I think the, the spread against A&M 17 or 18 and you know, I, I don't want to be negative Nancy here, but I, I can't see how that, I feel like that's going to be a really close game. And then at, at Syracuse following that, that tough matchup against A&M, like that's going to be a tough game. These are, you know, we've made kind of jokes about how easy our schedule's been all, all year long, but when you're in the thick of it, like it's kind of the any given Saturday mantra, it, these are two losable games, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, think, I, I don't think there's a world in which we would lose both of them. Um, I think if you, for some reason, lose at A&M, that team is going to be super focused going into the Carrier Dome. Um, but anything's possible, and certainly have to button a lot of things up and, and play better football. But a lot can happen from uh, the, the first week, the, the second week. They've got tape. They know what they did wrong, and they'll focus in on that stuff. And uh, I'm looking forward to a good game in Death Valley uh, coming Saturday night. Yeah, well, you know, we'll actually get to see some cornerback play, and we didn't get much of that. You know, I mentioned there were two great players on defense. I actually think there's a third, and that's A.J. Terrell. And I think we'll, we'll see. You also see Darian Kendrick because that's going to be their primary target. Uh, anyone, not A.J. Terrell, but uh, A&M's got three really good wide receivers, big body guys. So. They'll be tested. Yeah, they will be. And then um, running backs, Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Corbin and Isaiah Spiller both rushed for over 100 yards against Texas State this, back, uh, this past weekend. So they got guys that can do it. I know they lose their uh, main running back from last year, but it's not like Jimbo Fisher is uh, bringing in a bunch of uh, scrubs. Yeah, they have the, the nation's number one tight end. I don't know if he's ready to make a, a serious impact, but oh god, they're yeah they're replacing <laughs> Sternberger with uh, Sternberger. That sounds like a made up name with with some serious talent though. And yeah, he's recruiting well. And ultimately, Kellen Mond is he was a good player against us last year. I don't think he, he couldn't sustain the success throughout the season, but I've heard really good things about him. So he's the X factor. He could make it. He could really make it a game, a barn burner between him and Trevor Lawrence. Well, we'll see come Saturday night. Let's hope the, the hurricane doesn't take a left turn and, and shoot up towards Clemson. Um, let's keep going around college football. A lot of interesting games this weekend, specifically for the SEC, and a lot of not great football. So that is also, in part, makes me feel a little bit better about Clemson shaking off the rust. Uh, Bama probably didn't do away with Duke like most people were even they thought they would 42 to three in that game Tua did had over 300 yards passing and four TDs. Um, I'm not sure there's a lot she could take away from that. Uh, Alabama is down linebacker starting linebacker Dylan Moses for the year and I believe they're losing another linebacker. Uh, but all that said Duke still only managed three points. Yeah, they're, uh, they're I think they'll be just fine. Um, it is I think ultimately you we'll have to measure them when they play LSU and then Georgia and, yeah. and, and Auburn and short of that, I don't really care about their slow first half. I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, so speaking of Georgia, only a 30 to six win over Vandy, Deandre Swift uh, did have almost 150 yards rushing. 
Um, this is one of those sloppy games that I talk about. Both teams had 10 penalties in this game, and I think ultimately if it's a couple more games into the season that Georgia just waxes the floor with Bandy. I think so. They're, they're my sleeper team. If, if, insofar as a number three team can be a sleeper, I think they'll be fine. I think they're the, they're the biggest formidable foe out of the, out of the SEC because ultimately Jake, they're going to turn Jake Fromm loose, and I think he's going to have a monster year. What about and, L, what about LSU with uh, with Joe Burrow though at quarterback? I'm not sold on LSU. I, I'm 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 kind of like the way you feel about Michigan. I have to see it before I'll, I believe it. They have to prove it to me. The burden of proof is on them before you can assume they'll be really the number six team in the country and and jockeying for you know legitimate playoff consideration. Well, and I know they just played Georgia Southern, but they did beat them fifty five to three. So that's the type of win that you expect to see out of a way more talented team. Uh, Burrow two hundred and uh, uh, 78 yards through the air and five touchdowns. So everybody knocks uh, Ed Orgeron for not having an offense, but they may have found something in Joe Burrow. So I still have them as a contender um, in the SEC West. Um, elsewhere, keeping it in the SEC, man, heartbreaker for Oregon. They really should have won that game against Auburn. Did you catch any of that? So I, I saw the end of it, mostly you know, most of the second half. And I, I'm sorry, Pac-12. We don't have any Pac-12 listeners. Let's Let's be honest. That's more, I think Auburn's going to be just fine this year. You know, squarely a top 25 team. Bo Nix is going to be good in the future. He's still a freshman quarterback, and they yeah. lost to the, the fourth best team, maybe the, what, the fifth or sixth best team in the SEC, just like they did last year. Um, or I'm sorry, just like Washington did last year. And that just tells you, I mean, the Pac-12 just doesn't measure up. I was impressed by Justin Herbert, the senior for quarterback for Oregon. Um, did not think Bo Nix looked that great in this game, but as you mentioned, he's still a freshman. So I think Auburn, their ranking right now is probably about where they stay, um, mid-teens this year. Um, and I just have to wonder how much longer the Auburn fan base is going to tolerate Malzahn kind of having three, three lost seasons and kind of mediocre. Well, he I, he was. If he loses against Oregon, he is right right dead on the hot seat. But I think he he bought himself a few a few lives after that one. Yeah, absolutely. More and more highly ranked and uh, an experienced team. He went out there and beat on a neutral field. So chalk went up for Malzahn. Um, Oklahoma Houston game last night, Cody. Oklahoma, my impressions of them is their defense is still horrible, but man, I really liked what I saw out of Jalen Hurts. Uh, 20 to 23, uh, three, 332 yards through the air, three touchdowns. Uh, what do you think of his coming out party? He also had 176 on the ground and three TDs on the ground. So, man, he looked, he looked pretty powerful. And then after the game, I don't know if you saw his post-game news conference. He, he would not crack a smile and just kept talking about how this team needs to get better. And I would have to put myself in his shoes. You know, he's played with Alabama the last few years, so he knows what it takes to win and get to the national championship game. So I wonder if that's a little hint towards his teammates. Could be. I mean, yeah, there's, it's not a well-rounded team. And the whole like off season, they talked about how Oklahoma would take, take a step forward on defense. And I, you know, I saw a little bit of it in the first half, but they, they really just caved in in the second half and like, good luck winning against Georgia or Alabama or Clemson. But man, Jalen Hurts is a heck of a football player, and yeah, he, he really is. And I really, I really appreciate him and respect him. I know people tried to compare him and Kelly Bryant with Kelly Bryant leaving, but everybody forgets that Kelly Bryant was out of opportunities. He only had one more chance. Jalen Hurts stayed with Alabama, still with the opportunity to transfer a year after that. Um, but he's done everything the right way, and he's letting 
his play speak for itself on the field. And it's looking good for him becoming a pretty high draft pick, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sold on the, on the NFL future just because he's short. And I don't think he's such a smart player. Like at the college level, he's your prototypical. He's your Tebow. I think he'll, he really will have a legitimate Heisman case just because he's playing the Big 12 and he's got Lincoln Riley as his OC. But man, he is limited with the arm, but he'll he'll still make the passes he has to make. And he's like the, he's just the smartest guy. He's like the point guard that's probably in college that's probably never going to play in the NBA, but he's still the best player on the team, even though there's NBA players playing with him or against him. That's Jalen Hurts to me. So speaking of quarterbacks who transferred, uh, Justin Fields with Ohio State had a pretty good debut. Um, I think that game was probably a lot closer than Ohio State fans would have liked. They just beat Florida Atlantic by 23 points, 45 to 21. Um, I think there's still a lot to be seen from Ohio State this year under a new coach. I think we're going to have to see them play some more games to really figure them out. Agreed. I, I didn't – I don't think Florida Atlantic is all that bad, but I, I don't think we learned enough about Fields yet. We have to see if he can pass, and I, I just don't think there was enough, enough competition there to, to make a good decision. Yeah, and so the same kind of goes with Michigan, only beating Middle Tennessee State 40-21. Shea Patterson played fine in this game, but you mentioned it earlier, and I've been saying this for a long time now, with Jim Harbaugh, I've got to see something first. I, for the life of me, I don't understand why they end up getting ranked so high at the beginning of seasons um, when he really hasn't done anything there yet of note. Yeah, and it, well, and they moved to the, the spread offense this year, and you still don't see – I mean – Winning forty to twenty one is is it's okay, but and and I didn't watch them, so I'll give them give them the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, I think I think we're going to need to see a lot more from them to really think they're going to make playoff uh, make make a case for the playoffs. Um, and then so one game that has an effect on Clemson's schedule that I do have a takeaway from is uh, Syracuse only beating Liberty 24 to nothing. Obviously, it's great to pitch the shutout, but Tommy DeVito uh, really struggled in this game, tossing two interceptions and no TDs. They only had 368 yards of total offense. So it's got to have Clemson fans feeling a little bit better about that Syracuse game. You know, we thought that talent-wise, um, DeVito might be a step up from Eric Dungy, but didn't get off to a hot start. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch that one. But if Dungy, you know, he was he was hot or cold last year. But when he was hot, and especially two years ago, like he could, he could take down Clemson, he could slay Goliath. But if if Devito isn't at least close to that, then I think Clemson's got to be feeling pretty good going into the Carrier Dome. Yeah, and then just to, to wrap up here, touching on a couple former Clemson players. Well, they all lost yesterday. Um, Let's start off with one we're all happy about is University of North Carolina beating South Carolina 24 to 20. Uh, Muschamp may be uh, uh, punching his ticket out the door. Um, comes out today that Jake Bentley apparently has a, a foot injury of some sort, although nobody noticed it at the end of the game the other night. Who knows what type of stuff they're trying to pull there, but just a horrible loss for South Carolina to start the season. North Carolina's rebuilding. They have a true freshman, Sam Howell, starting. Um, going up against senior Jake Bentley and how really outshined him in this game. And then also you have the storyline of Muschamp uh, versus his former mentor, Mac Brown. I think Muschamp at one time was the, essentially the coach in waiting at Texas. But uh, uh, my have the mighty have fallen there, and he's got to be left scratching his head now about where he takes this team from there. Um, Feaster had 72 yards on the ground, but that included a 34-yard TD run. Otherwise, their offensive line couldn't do anything for him. Um, and he, he still doesn't have that first step quickness. 
Um, he didn't gain that in the offseason after he transferred. So very, very poor game for South Carolina. It's really is um, a dumpster fire. Down is, I, don't, I haven't engaged the local South Carolina fan base, the, the hive mind of South Carolina. Is, is Muschamp uh, on the hot seat? Is that a thing? Yeah. I don't think. I mean, you look at it. They were going to have a hard time this year as it was getting to six wins and bowl eligible with, admittedly, their schedule is difficult. But one of those six penciled-in wins was North Carolina. And for them to lose that, it's just an uphill battle uh, for them now to get bowl eligible because, you know, you think about the psyche of the team and how demoralizing that, that win is and then, or that loss is. And then you're going to go through the gauntlet of a schedule they have. They could be uh, – we may not even recognize them by the time uh, uh, we see them in November. And well, Helinski, the backup quarterback out of California, is supposed to be good, but I mean, he is a true freshman, right? Yeah. Or is he a, is he a redshirt freshman? Um, good question. I don't know. I don't follow the recruiting. He is a freshman. <laughs> um, I know that um, Dakarian Joiner, who was out of Fort Dorchester in North Charleston, um, was not happy about Helsinki moving in front of him, um, taking the taking the the backup job and now elevating into the starter. Um, but if Jake Bentley's out for a period of time, they're going to have to have Joyner come in there and contribute somewhere or the other. But um, it's it's just not great. And it's one thing to throw a talented freshman quarterback in there. It's another thing to do it behind a bad offensive line. Yeah, he'll, uh, he'll have a go of it. And again, you, you mentioned the gauntlet of the schedule. It's well, they'll, they'll have a little bit of relief next week, um, but then Al- in week three, Alabama at home, at Missouri, which uh, they might actually have some success against that defense. But then UK, UG- at Georgia, Florida, uh, and later in the season at, at A&M and Clemson in back-to-back weeks. So, yeah, they, they've got a, they got a really solid go of it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really tough for that team. Um, Speaking of Missouri and Kelly Bryant, they shockingly lost 37-31 to 31 at Wyoming. Why are they playing at Wyoming? Uh, we'll never know. Kelly Bryant, though, had maybe his best passing day ever with 423 yards to the air and two TDs. He did have one bad interception but um, and a fumble, but he's not the reason they lost that game. If, if you can't hold Wyoming to below 30 points, then something's wrong with your defense. Agreed. And I, w- I want to watch him later in the season. I don't know what happened in that one, but yeah, what a, what a nice stat line um, with four, over 400 yards of passing. Their, their defense may be that bad. Yeah, I think it is. And he only had 20 yards and 11 carries, which is odd to see. That's you know, just about two yards a carry, um, which is very unlike Kelly Bryant. Um, and finally, oh, poor Hunter Johnson. I had such high hopes for him. Northwestern did not look good against Stanford, losing 17-7. to Johnson was 6-17, 55 yards with two interceptions. I don't think the interception, or at least one of the interceptions, wasn't all his fault. I think there was a drop that led to that. But uh, I was hoping uh, for more out of the gate from Hunter Johnson. Yeah, and he's rotating in with uh, – with, he's not even starting. So yeah. that's never – that's a difficult situation when you're, you're playing mixed – snaps and you know we'll, we'll see how he does maybe next year or if he gets a chance to go in as the full-time starter yeah and then so finally just kind of tying a bow all this and putting it in perspective you look at the losses the sec had on the day south carolina to north carolina missouri to wyoming we talked about georgia state beat tennessee that's pitiful memphis beat old miss mississippi state struggled against louisiana arkansas barely beat portland state Florida did not look good in beating Miami. 
Um, I think the luster of the SEC has has worn off at this point. I think we all know it. ESPN may just now be starting to know it. Hell, even Paul Feinbaum might come around. But it looks like a lot of the other conferences now. You have a few teams top heavy now. They do have more elite teams or close to elite teams, I think, at the, the, the upper echelon of their conference than maybe the other conference do, certainly the ACC. But it's not a top-to-bottom dominant league anymore. Right. Like, you can't, you know, by, like, by proxy or by association, you can't say that you're, you're good uh, just by playing in the SEC. You're, when you're losing to the, the teams you're losing to, it's, you're, you're just a middling ACC team. And that's what you're – in the middle of the SEC, it's no different than the middle – of the ACC, but you're right. I, you do give them credit because at the top of the, the league, their, their top five teams are better and it's not really not even close to anybody else's top five teams. So to wrap and kind of pivoting off that Cody um, in the season preview episode between uh, myself, Tully and Sam, we picked our, our playoff team. So I want to get yours. What are your four anticipated playoff teams this year? You know, I haven't thought it through, but I do like Georgia. No, I'm going to give, give yeah. you one Clemson. Yep. Stamp the ticket. Um, Clemson's in. I like Georgia. I like Georgia and Clemson as my final. Um, if I have to take um, a third team, I think I think it's Ohio State. And then number four, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm just gonna go Bama. Let's let's be real. Well, you're taking Ohio State over what you saw out of Jalen Hurts. Is it because of their defense at Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't. I, I think ultimately Jalen Hurts has a little bit of the Kelly Bryant syndrome in him. In him, I don't think he can throw it downfield quite the way you need to against the league competition. Yeah, he's a better quarterback. And you saw what he did coming oh, into he is. the second half of that SEC championship game against Georgia. For sure. No, he's, he is a better quarterback, but I, I, don't, I, I just don't think he has. Kyler Murray, you know, he, Kyler Murray did his thing, um, but I think he had a little bit more skill throwing the ball. Baker Mayfield certainly more skill throwing the ball. I think they're going to they're gonna just uh, be taken down by a couple of Big 12 teams. And then uh, that leaves the door open for probably Bama. Let's be, let's be real. But it, it'll yeah. be really interesting. <laughs> it will be. And uh, I look forward to actually a possible Georgia matchup. I agree with you. I think uh, <clears throat> they have been um, trending upwards without really taking many steps back. I think Kirby Spark has them close. And this could be the year with Jake Fromm being experienced as he is, DeAndre Swift, and just all the, the stable of running backs they have on that team. They're going to be really good, um, but we won't know to the end of the season as, as it all plays out. But uh, hopefully we get some um, some better games coming up here over the next coming weeks. It hasn't been a great – wasn't really a great college football slate to kick off the season. Yeah, agreed. Aside from the Oregon and Auburn game. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, I, what I think this year is – I don't think Clemson's going to be as good as the 18 version. I think Alabama is going to take a, a small step back. Georgia might be in right there in line with the, the – the latter two. So I, I think the, the, the field is going to be a little bit weaker. Maybe that, that gives Oklahoma a chance to sneak in Ohio state, uh, dare I say Michigan. So maybe that's a good thing for, for college football. So now instead of like three teams that could win it, there's six, six maybe seven. You say Michigan again, I'm going to cut you out of this program. This is <laughs> me talking to myself. <laughs> Um, oh, Notre Dame started pulling away. They were tied 14 to 14 earlier with Louisville, but, uh, and Scott Satterfield's debut is the, the Cardinals coach, but a little Ian book making some plays, I guess. Yeah. 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 They won't be back in this year. 
Okay, well, that wraps it up for us, folks. Um, again, appreciate everybody for listening and tuning in. Again, please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter, ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. Just to kind of give you a heads up, if you're new to the show of our format moving forward, we will be recapping every single game, um, either producing a show on Sunday or on the Sunday or Monday, most likely, um, after the Saturday games. Uh, we're going to try to sprinkle in some uh, more interviews this year with not just guys from Shaking Southland, but whomever else uh, Tully finds interesting. Um, there's even rumor that Bama Dozer might come back on and uh, get his comeuppance, but uh, we all know how that is really going to go. But yeah, appreciate everybody for listening. We will be back at you after the Texas A&M game. And until then, and as always, go Tigers. Yeah, I drafted Hunter Renfro. I know, dude. I was I was gonna draft him. I'm like, I think it's time. Someone's gonna get him. I, 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 knew, I knew someone would get him. But I got Adam Humphreys and uh what's the last pick in the draft? I had the last pick in the draft, so I got Deion Kane. Yeah, no, that's a good pick. I thought about getting him. Just the problem is their quarterback. Uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I got Mike Williams earlier than Probably most people too, but I think he's got a really good year. Yeah. Um, he's their number one, right? He's their number one receiver. Yeah. Because what's his name? Tyrell Williams is gone.